0: Hello and welcome. You are listening to The Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. And on today's episode, I had a really, really interesting uh, and insightful chat with an amazing investor. Her name is Olivia Ward, and she's she's not even 30 years old yet. She's already got five properties. She did that in five years. She's overcome a lot of um, uh, challenges, serviceability barriers, and all of that kind of stuff. And there's so much learning to be taken from this episode. This is part of our Investor Stories series where we're really digging into the stories of average investors and how what they've been able to achieve so that you can learn more, grow more, and become a better investor yourself. Now, what I find really interesting about this journey is not only did she kind of stumble across kind of getting a couple of things right in the start, but she's also then developed a really robust strategy. And we talk a lot about understanding your why and how to move, how to use that as the biggest tool to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. So if you are, look, I really think that this, if you're at any level of your investing story, I think this is going to be beneficial. you got to remember that 94% of property investors never even get past two properties. And Olivia is at five properties and she's not even 30 years old. So she's done an amazing job And so what you're going to be able to learn from her is how to start thinking about some of this kind of stuff so that you can get to where you want to go to. And, of course, if you want help to do that, then, of course, we can help you do that too. So we obviously run a buyer's agency service, which is we're not promoting this in, in this episode, but if you do want help to achieve that. And if you do want help to kind of bypass some of these challenges and to get to where you want to go a little faster, you can reach out, just go to theinvestorlab.com.au. But even if you don't want to use a buyer's agent, you can go there and get heaps of free resources and tools and guides so that you can go do it yourself. We give away so much information because we have a passion and a mission to help serve you get from where you are to where you want to be. And if there's anything we can do to help support that, then that's what we're here for. And if you've liked this episode, and if you like this podcast, make sure you hit subscribe on Apple podcasts or share it with a friend or loved one. Or if you just want to reach out and let us know how you feel about it, then just send us an email, send us a message or get in touch in some way and let us know what you think because your feedback is what makes it all worthwhile for us. And I hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I had having the conversation. And without any further ado, let's get stuck into it. I'll see you on the inside. Hey guys welcome back to the Invest lab joining me today is olivia ward who is an exceptional investor who has traversed a lot of challenges that i think a lot of other people are going to face and has found a lot of success as well so olivia i am excited to welcome you to the show and to dig into a little bit about your story
1: thank you i'm very excited to share all my learnings and uh, talk a bit about property with you
0: Awesome, fantastic. So, look, you and I have spoken before. Um, we've had the benefit of interacting now for what well, fair, a fair while in different ways, online and uh, and on the phone and all of that kind of stuff. So, I know a little bit about you and your story and where you're at. But for the benefit of people listening, do you want to just share a little bit about kind of who you are, where you are, what you do, and all that kind of stuff? And we'll get into it from there. Yeah, wonderful.
1: Thank you, Goose. Um, so yeah, so I suppose I found my. My passion in property probably about six six years ago or so, I knew as a child that it was something that I was interested in just because I saw some adults that I looked up to um, investing and they kind of made something out of it. So I knew that that was something that I wanted to get into, but I just didn't know like any of the nitty gritties or details. So um, still have a, a, a normal full-time job and and I thought to myself, it's not something that I want to do forever. Okay.
0: How, how, how old are you now? I'm
1: 29.
0: You're 29, mm-hmm. okay. So six years ago, you were 23.
1: Yeah,
0: and that's when you bought your first property.
1: I bought more when I was 24. 24. I started getting into how I was going to go about it at 20, about 23.
0: Okay. So what specifically kind of triggered that? That could a lot of tw- I can tell you when I was 23. I was pretty much just, I was I was a loose unit. I was traveling and I was partying and re, investing in real estate was not on my agenda at 23. What was yeah. it about, what was it for you that was that catalyst?
1: Yeah, great idea. So um, for me, it was more around my partner and I just bought this block of land, right, because it was one of those things where we bought a property and just because it was something that our parents had told us to do when I knew it was something that we should have done as an adult, but I didn't really know why. Um and then when I bought this block of land, it was within about six months of sitting on it, waiting for it to settle. And I realized the property market had boomed. And my 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 broker had contacted me and he was like, Hey Liv, have you seen the value in, in your area? Um it's gone through the roof.
0: What area was it? <laughs>
1: um it was in Clyde North of Melbourne. Mm. Um and it had just gone completely through the roof. And I didn't understand really understand why at that particular time. And I was like, oh, this is exciting. Like, what am I gonna do with that money? So that's, I think, was when I got into how, what do I do with this? I don't just want to sit on it and do nothing with it. Um, I want to help it, help my future in some way. But um, I think it's because, you know, I looked at around some of the people um, that I, like my parents and whatnot, and I thought to myself, you know, I don't want to be like all those people that, that are older than you when they're, you know, in their 50s and their 60s and they're like, don't work for the rest of your life. I didn't want that for myself. Mm. So I thought, well, I've got this block of land over here. It's magically made this money. How do I leverage that in some way? What do I do with that? So I think that's where it kind of started for me.
0: Okay. And so that was just, at that stage, that was just a block of land that had no house yeah. on it or anything? Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So, and that, that settled when you were 24? Yep. Yep. And Perfect. and and how long did it take for it to start to go up in value? Okay.
1: So really good question. So I made specifically... I think we made like $180,000 in, um, was it 18 months or 12 months? 12 or 18 months, I can't remember specifically. Wow. Um, Which was huge. So the second that after the land had settled and I built this house, I instantly had a broker, um, had a bank walk in on the day that that house was, I got the keys and had a broker go in to reevaluate it and pull out that equity instantly.
0: Okay, so you still built on it before you took the equity out?
1: Yes, so still built on it before I took the equity out.
0: Okay, awesome. Um, how, much did, how, how much did it cost to build on it? What was the cost? And what was the cost of land? What was the cost of construction? Roughly, just, just your ballpark.
1: Roughly. I think the land cost like two, 200, 200 grand. Yep. And then uh, built the house for also about 200 as well. I think it was like 215, something like that. Yep. Um, and then it, the total, I think, was at like about four. Four twenty, something like that, around that mark.
0: Was that and off? To, sorry, so did was that off the plan, or, or was that did you buy the land and then separately go out and find a builder, or was it a yes. package deal?
1: No, it wasn't a package deal. So I separately went and found the. the okay, cool. The so about to,
0: to total about 400, 400 grand in in yeah into four twenty
1: yep. something like yep. that, and then got it reevaluated the second it um it settled for six hundred thousand. Um, wow. The next day. so and all I did was sit on it, and you know I did pay for the increments of the land, um, of the mortgage, like increase Hold, Holding in, costs, yeah. Holding costs, yep, 100%. Yep. Um, but, yeah, and that's why I was like, what do I do with this now? Um, and that's where my real journey started, where it's like, what do I do with this equity that I've just just literally just landed on? But I didn't really know what to do with it. And that's when, yeah, my
0: learnings really came in. Okay, cool. So tell me tell me a little bit about like not just tactically what happened in your property portfolio after that, but basically what I'm hearing from you at this point is like, okay, like pretty much any young person, you're sort of like bummed along, you're working, you're like, hey, I guess we should buy the house, do the house thing, right? And you kind of get a house, you get the land, build the house. And it's like, oh, my God, hang on a second. I've got a whole bunch of cash. So that was, and then that was the kind of moment where you started going, I better take this a little more seriously, or how did that shift your mindset and where did you start seeking out information about what to do next?
1: Yeah, good question. So I identified pretty quickly that I didn't really have anyone in my life that Mm -hmm. I could go to for answers because no one had really, um, that I'd grown up with, had really sort of excelled or had shown that they'd been successful with property in that way, um, that that I wanted to sort of take it to. So then I went to YouTube, to be honest with you. It's the first place I went. I started finding some local guys in, in Australia who, you know, there's one Sydney guy who'd reached a hundred properties at the age of 27 or 28. Um, and then started listening and reading books. Books was a big one for me. Um, learning from Robert Kiyosaki, um, all those sort of like-minded people. And I then started to get into the, into the details of like, what is next? What do I do with this? Who do I listen to? Um, for advice and I think that's one of the most important things that I learned early on is You know listening to good old uncle Bob who's like yeah you should buy you one house and and pay that down and then Then what then I've still just got this one house that I then still have Is debt I've still got to pay rates and everything on it like that's not what I wanted for my lifestyle I watched right. the, the uh, my, my parents and my grandparents still slave away having to pay for those additional bills that don't ever go away um
0: Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So I'm going to come back. I reckon I'm going to circle back to some of that, but so you bought the foot, you bought the land, you built on it. uh, It went up in value. Probably you probably manufactured a little bit of equity by building and all of that kind of stuff as well. So probably a combination of market and manufactured equity there. And then, and then, and then you kind of went, hang on a second. I better go and start, you know, check out YouTube, get a few ideas on what to do next. How long was it between then and your next purchase? And what was, what did the next purchase look like?
1: Very, very quick, actually, probably within about six months. So I had to work out my my borrowing capacity and what I was going to do next. So so I had, like, maybe $100,000, $120,000 of actual cash to sort of play with for a profit. Um, And at at this stage, I was in the very early stages of listening to my mentors about, you know, um, buying below market value, buying with an upside for growth and with a high rental yield. And I went out and sent a text message, ironically, I sent a text message to a whole bunch of you know adults who hadn't necessarily experienced or achieved what I wanted to achieve. And I said, What would you do? Should I buy with this deposit, should I buy one house in Frankston that would be a bit negatively geared? Or should I buy two houses out in this regional town that I found that have got upside for growth, high rental yield, and I could buy under market value? And everyone had suggested to me, buy this one house in Frankston. <laughs> and I was like, my gut had told me, like, who am I listening to here? These people that I've sent these text messages to, have they achieved what I wanted to, where I wanted to go? No, they hadn't. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to go against all of that advice and go with the one uh, sort of mentor that I had listened to who had um, experienced what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. And awesome. I went with my gut, and it was the best thing that I did for my portfolio. And I went and bought those two out in a regional town in Victoria that I found.
0: Whereabouts? Whereabouts in Victoria? Uh,
1: it's Torrallgan, it's called. And uh, those two properties uh, that I bought out there at that time, um, they are my most, uh, the best performing properties that I have. Um that are
0: my most stable that I can rely on. (laughs) That's it's so funny because I grew up in I grew up in that area. I grew up in a in a tiny town just outside of Terrelgan. And so um for me, I always kind of looked at I was like I I had proximity bias where I always just kind of thought that Tyrelgan would never do anything because I grew up there. So we probably missed it. I I know that we sort of missed a bit of that boat because I was like, oh, surely. Surely not Sir Elgin, but it's so funny because, because it's grown so well and I think that – and I want to dig into like what these properties have done for you as well because I think this is one of the big things that people – the mistakes that people make is they think that just because you go to a regional area that it's not going to perform. So yeah. how, so tell me a little bit about the properties you bought and how they've gone since.
1: Yeah, good question. So um, essentially I did some research, some basic things that I, that I knew at the time that I could research was mm-hmm. like how do I find out if there's even going to be value? Actually, I owned a caravan um, out in, in that sort of area and a friend of mine had suggested, oh, I should buy out in Terrelgan, like just in a passing comment. And I was like, actually, you know what, I want to look into the rental yields out here. Let's check this out. So I looked and I was like, whoa, the rental yields huge out here. If, um, if I can purchase around this particular price, I'm like, they're so low as well. Um, and then I was like, oh, but what about the increase of, of the market value, so within the area? And then I found out that the government had a huge uh, plan to some $500 million plan for something to do with energy out there. And I was like, mm. oh, that's awesome. I'm like, that's kind of got some growth in it. Started talking to some real estate agents calling around in the area. And they were like, we've actually found some people taking their houses off the property market because they foresee that there's about to be a boom. And I was like, Well, oh, that's interesting. So I went with my gut. Um, the numbers sort of added up um i found out that there's a lot of properties this is uh, another good leverage that i had a lot of these properties were sort of sitting on the market for so long out there that the real estate agents were struggling to get rid of them so that gave me a bit of leverage to market uh, to get um some um, some good deals
0: um, can, I, can, I, can i ask whereabouts uh, uh, yeah, in tarelgan like what what parts of tarelgan are they in so ooh, how do i
1: describe that the ones like a Five minute walk from the CBD. Yeah, um, and another one's probably about a five minute or three to five minute drive from Trails mm-hmm. and CBD. The ones like on one side and ones on the other side. Okay. Um, and and yeah, and they're both performing well. Um, got to instantly was able to pull out equity because I bought them below market value. How,
0: how did you know? How did you know you were buying them below market value? Because this is something that's quite. Um, uh, we we obviously love buying under market value. But a lot of, there are a lot of people out there who say that buying under market value is something that you can't do because market value is whatever the market will pay for it. So, which I disagree with, and you've obviously experienced the other side of it. So how do you define whether something's under market value? How do you know if you're going to buy something that you're, that you're going to be making money on the way in?
1: Yeah, good question. So I think it was at the time when I was talking to the real estate agents that the properties were on the market for so long and that. With my previous selling experience, I could be like, I could wean myself into this. So it was me literally comparing what was being sold on realestate.com. So I would do the comparison on real estate and work out okay, what are these three bedroom houses being sold for? Of these in this exact sort of street, how can I get that property 20, 30K under market value? And I got one of them about 40K under market value mm-hmm. um, purely by because this one particular owner had had it on the market for 12 months and just wanted to get rid of it already. Um, and then I found a similar one as well for the same sort of reasons.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's interesting because Gabby and I did something quite similar. We bought a property for about forty thousand dollars under market value, and then yeah. instantly, pretty much, bought another property with basically no 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 real money. <laughs> you know, yeah. we, which is awesome. Okay, so you bought two properties in Tauranga. What yields were they?
1: Um, one was six point nine. I think another one was like 7.3, 7. 7. something
0: like that. Awesome. Okay, so you've still got the property in Clyde.
1: Yep, still got a property in Clyde.
0: Okay, and then you used that to go and buy two properties in Tarelgan, yep. under market value, yep. poten- potential for growth, yep. solid solid yields. Yep. Great. And they've been growing in value, so they've gone up in value as well?
1: Yep, they've gone up in grow- value, which is awesome.
0: By about h- roughly h- how much percentage-wise or whatever, like how? Where is there been much growth or just a bit?
1: Just a bit, but the fact that they, I had purchased them under market value really assisted me. Um, I think now recently, I haven't even had a look in the last probably six months since, well, obviously coronavirus, but um, I think there's also sort of a change in the market out there again. So I um, have been looking to that recently, but um, yeah, um, I've been able to pull out that, pull out the equity pretty much straight away um, to help leverage for deposits for the next one, um, as well as stamp duty as well. Um, so from there, it was all about how do I get the next one?
0: <laughs> okay, cool. Um, and then, okay. so what was the next one?
1: Yeah, good question. So the next one ended up being something that we bought with our super in our SMSF. And the reason I went to that one was because I was, some, I was a person that was like, I like to know that I'm achieving and, and getting results and taking action on things. And at that particular point in time, we had actually kind of got stuck for serviceability to the to mm. the next one. And the one that had held me back was that first property that didn't really tickle the boxes that I'd learnt to now um, go looking for. So my first property was kind of holding us down from a a Boeing capacity sort of power. Um, So that's when I was like, until I work this out and until I work out how I'm going to increase the serviceability um, to be able to purchase the next property, because I had deposits, but I just couldn't get another another loan for the next one. So I was like, you know what, I can do the SMSF thing for now. So we went and did that and purchased one up in Brisbane um, with that. Um, so, obviously, that's not going to necessarily help me right now with cash flow because um, you can't tap into that until you retire, obviously. But it just was it was something to help me still learn how to purchase properties under market value because the concepts are still the same.
0: Yeah. And yeah. so, to tell me a little bit about that one. What type of property was it? What are the characteristics? Whereabouts?
1: Yeah, wonderful. So, that's in Brisbane. It's in a suburb called um, Riverview. Yep. Yeah. Um, so it's a two-bedroom townhouse, again, pretty high rental yield. That was about 7.8, 7.9 sort of rental yield. Um, that was extremely cheap. It was only $150, $159,000 to purchase that property for.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: with this one, I went with um, a buyer's agent. Um, for myself, I was like, I didn't have – I didn't want to put in all of this time to build those relationships with a whole bunch of real estate agents um to be able to purchase those properties under market value. Mm. there's an area that I didn't really know, and I'd realized that, well, if this market's going to go up, like how do I rapidly build my portfolio? Because obviously we're going against time here. and I wanted to make sure that um, that I kind of got in just before there was any sort of peak. And I'd heard that Brisbane and Gold Coast hadn't had a um a much of a kind of been flat for like 10 years and I was like well what happens if it does have a sort of a peak now how do I get in um, ASAP so I leveraged into a buyers advocate up there who also taught me quite a fair bit um, and uh, not only got sort of like a, a cheap deal for me um, but, um, but also was with with that high rental yield and, and an upside for growth as well.
0: Okay, awesome. Did you have any reservations about buying a townhouse in terms of, um, you know, potentially having lower growth or lower land component or strata fees or anything like that? Did that ever come into be a consideration for you?
1: Yeah, so the strata fees were definitely something that I did learn about was uh, the water rate <laughs> up in Brisbane. If it, is, um, if it is like in the multi-complex, you do, you can't necessarily, it's very difficult to charge for the water usage. So that yeah. was one thing that I did learn that I now will make sure that I, celebrate from here going on um but um yeah in terms of the the strata fees and everything so that was included in the rental yield that we'd calculated as well
0: yeah um throughout
1: the year it was actually extremely cheap um strata fees in this particular places 1800 a year which is pretty cheap for for a strata fee yep um,
0: because,
1: um but yeah but there was there's awesome growth um, for in that corridor of like Brisbane through to Gold Coast, and we're obviously starting to see that now shine through. So,
0: um,
1: pretty excited about that growth because there's, there's heaps happening out there.
0: Awesome. Okay, so we're up to four properties now. We've got we've got three out of the SMSF, one in the SMSF. Is is that it, or have you have you worked yeah. out how'd you, how do you, how do tell me about how you've worked out how to overcome your serviceability issue?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, so, first of all, I realised that. I was constantly trying to get, like, my own, um, my own debt down, right? Mm. And I, after speaking to brokers, whenever they'd say, no, this is how much you can, you can leverage, I identified that, hang on, am I asking the right questions here to my brokers? Should I be asking things such as why? What is it about my, my, serv- my borrowing power that is holding me back? So then I looked into how can I leverage off my first property? That was the main thing within my portfolio that was really holding me down because it wasn't bringing in much rent considering the mortgage that I had against it. Yep. Um, So essentially um, we worked out how can I increase my income in my other properties? So I did one of the, a small renovation on one of my uh, Trelgan properties, which then gave me a little bit more in terms of my borrowing power. I then dropped off a nasty personal debt that I had um, as well, which was not helping me in my mm-hmm. in our <laughs> sensibility at all. Was that a credit? Um, was that a credit card
0: or something? Or it was
1: just a personal loan. Um,
0: yep. so I
1: had, uh, for a car loan, essentially, yep. And I dropped that. I got rid of that ASAP. Paid yep. it down as quick as I possibly could. Um, and then yeah, and then, so that then using the uh, some uh, equity from one of the Trelogan houses. As well as the increase from the rental, you would help with the serviceability. I was then able to use that to then leverage um, into the uh, buying, using it for a deposit for the property number five, yep. um, yeah. and then I just had to save for the stamp duty, um, which is not which is which is not easy when stamp duty is a, a, a quite a large cost.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 totally, yeah. totally. But that's that's okay. So you're, so now that's so that's property number five in total, four outside of estimate, and is that kind of where you're at now?
1: That's where I'm at now.
0: Yep. Okay, awesome. So that's a pretty good run. So how old are you right now?
1: Uh, 29.
0: 29. Okay, so you bought your first property when you were 24. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Okay, so that's five properties in five years?
1: Yeah, just about, yeah, nearly. Yeah,
0: that's twenty. Uh, back to ten thirty. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, nice. Okay, awesome. That's pretty. That's pretty good because considering a lot of people don't, I, I I speak to a lot of people who don't even start thinking about investing until they're in their thirties or even in their forties. So it's mm. pretty awesome that you've set yourself up in that way. What What do you think has been the biggest challenge that you have faced, either mechanical or non mechanical? So it could be like technical or mindset wise. What's been the biggest challenge you've had to? Overcome to to do that because I got to say most people never ninety ninety four percent of property investors never get past two properties seventy three percent never even get past one. You've gotten up to five properties and you've done it in five years and you've done it before you're thirty. What 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 makes you different? Why have you been able to do this? And what's the biggest challenge of it to overcome to make it work?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it comes down to your why to be honest with you, now, a lot of people talk about this, but it's it's just, and I think we talk about it because it is really important. Mm-hmm. And my why for me, I had to really delve deep because a lot of people are like, well, because I want cash flow. Well, but why? What are you going to do with that cash flow? Let's get detailed. And my why was, well, I wanted that time. And I think that time is is the ultimate wealth for me. And I wanted that time specifically. Now, let's get nitty gritty. What are you going to do with that time, Olivia? And I found that my passion was is that I would love to one day be able to travel around Australia um, to teach young people the importance of getting financial education, not teach what it is exactly. I, I'm never going to know everything, right, but at least the importance of of going to get that financial education um and starting with 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 kids as well, because Kids are my passion and I think if you can start earlier on, you can really hit compounding on the head. Um, and then there's a lot of kids out there that want to know this sort of stuff. i have got a lot of friends whose kids are like, you know, at high school sort of age and and they're passionate about it. That's where my passion was. Um, and I think that's where my why came down to. What do I want to do with my time? Um, and, and what do I not want to end up doing with my time? <laughs> Which is being working and slaving away until I'm, um, Until I'm sixty or seventy years of age.
0: Why is it important to you to educate other kids about financial uh, financial education? Why is why is that the thing? Because it could be anything, right? So why why that? Like why is that the thing that drives you?
1: I think it maybe was because that was something I was looking for when I was younger. I didn't (laughs) learn those sort of things at school. I was told to go to school. you know, learn these books and and do these exams and and pass these exams based on your memory. And I was like, I like, like that's not something that had sort of interested me. Um, and I struggled through school. I was actually a year ten high school dropout, so I didn't make it past year ten. Um, and people had told me, you know, maybe you could go be a nurse. And I dabbled into that, or or um. Or go be do some sort of trade, and I was like, it's not necessarily. But if I do that, I have to do that for sixty years, and I don't necessarily want to do that. Mm, um, no. So I think the fact that I was I was told that you know sort of like I had um, learning difficulties in school, and I realized I don't think it was that I had learning difficulties. It was just that I didn't get to learn about the things that I wanted to learn about, nor was it in the ways that I that I wanted to learn, which was real experience, just going out there. Doing things, failing from some of those things, but celebrating those failings, those failures as well. Because they're lessons that we learn. Because in school, you get taught, you know, do the exam, pass the exam. If you pass the exam, well, no, you fail. That's bad. In the real world, it's the opposite.
0: But where, do, where did you learn that? Because I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And it's how I've lived my life too. But most. Most people don't think like that. There's a reason that most people don't achieve what you've achieved already and it's because they don't think about, you know, failures are successes and all of that kind of stuff. So where did, how, where, did where did that kind of mindset come from? Because that, that must have started before you even started your property journey. So is that something you got from um, your parents or? Did you think
1: a start? No, not from my parents. It was it was all the books that I read. It was all the YouTube videos that I'd watched of people. Um I'd learned from. I read like a lot of personal um, development books, like yourself. Um, probably not at your. Probably not at your level, but um, it was something that I delved into early on, and um, and it was just something that I knew that was for me. That was like that. That that kind of sits well with me. Mm. Um, so yeah. The, okay. What's
0: what, what's the what's the what's the most important or the most transformative book that you've ever read?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. Um, the one that's always—I have to say—Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Poor Dad. Mm. Yeah, for sure.
0: Game, game changer. That was a game changer for me too. That was the, yeah. that was the book that started everything for me. Yeah. Okay, and I got another question for you. You've obviously, as you mentioned, like you've had a lot of kind of failures uh, along the way and all of that kind of stuff. What's your, and you've learned from those failures you've seen them as opportunities. What's the what's your favorite failure? What's the best failure that you've had?
1: The failure that I had was actually leading up to the property market, was understanding my debt. Um, I purchased a car. I really, I was like 18, oh no, I was about 20, and I was like, yeah, this car's awesome. It's my dream car. I'm going to have it. Bought it for $35,000, but I realized that I actually paid $55,000 for this car.
0: Ooh.
1: And yeah, ooh, right. And guess how much I sold this car for? Uh,
0: probably <laughs> $15,000.
1: 5000 um, So I'd realised the debt that I'd gotten into was not going to get me anywhere very quickly mm. <laughs> um, and I think understanding that <clears throat> the difference between an asset and cash flow and all that sort of stuff. So mm. um, so buying that car uh, was a huge thing that was sort of holding me down from a serviceability point of view early on in my journey.
0: Mm. And, okay, that's that's good that's that's great advice because a lot of people don't understand that you know they, they don't understand that when they buy these things it can actually be holding them back and it's, you know they look at what they can do now rather than what they can do later okay so you're up to you're up to five properties you've got a vision and a, and a, and a passion to want to you know educate others and change other people's lives and all that kind of stuff when are you going to be able to start doing that what's stopping you from doing that now like like what, what, how far are you from that goal
1: yeah good question Um, So for me, I think I'm still in, like, this learning phase of of how do I go about it? How do I um, let people know that, like, this is the value that I could add? And one of the biggest things for me is what I would like to offer to the community is how can I travel around Australia, free cost to you? So, for example, let's just say if I targeted schools, for example, or community centres, how can I offer my service for free? And for that, I would need some sort of cash flow coming in from my properties um, to be able to give me that time so that I can do that um, for both myself and my family. So at this stage, what I'm trying to achieve is that ultimate cash flow for me to be able to retire from the workforce so that I can travel around and offer my service for free. That's what I'm trying, trying to aim for. Uh, by the age of thirty-five, we'll see if I achieve it over
0: the next five years. Okay, you go for five <laughs> years. Five years. All right. Well, we're we're gonna we're definitely gonna stay tuned in because I want to know. I want to see how this journey progresses. So, what advice do you have to other people that are you know maybe in a similar similar boat, or you know even even just anyone listening to this? What advice have you got to them that for people that maybe haven't yet gotten started or people that are maybe kind of sitting on the sidelines or, you know, they've got big gaps in their portfolio, what kind of advice or guidance would you give to other people who are on this journey and want to and try and achieve more?
1: Yeah, good question. I think it's definitely, well, the, your biggest one is um, making sure that you're uh, getting advice from those who have already achieved what you want to achieve. I think that's one of the biggest ones. The next one is also for me personally um, around identifying your strategy, which is obviously something that you talk a lot about My strategy is buy and hold and live off the rental yields by three buckets, which is buying under market value, upside for growth and high rental yield. Um, But it's also for me about celebrating your learnings is probably the biggest thing. Um, So I learned very quickly whenever there was something that didn't go so well, to actually be consciously aware of what didn't go well, what could you have done next time um, and how can we prevent that from, from happening again. Um, for example, one of the things that I experienced was with one of my trailground properties, I didn't know that when I went and got a building and inspection report done that they didn't necessarily check the pipes, um, the underground pipes that led into the house. And I'd learned very quickly that, um, (laughs) that when they are really old and they don't check that, there's a lot of issues that come from that. So I did have to pay quite a fair bit to get all of that fixed. I think Mm -hmm. celebrating those learnings is also, is also a big one as well. Um, there's another one, um, also asking your why. So when, for example, when you, when you have a broker explain to you, no, this is where you're stuck at right now. Like you can't borrow anymore. A lot of people are like, okay, no worries. I suppose that's the answer. For me, I was like, no, well, tell me why, what is it about my portfolio, my serviceability, my, my borrowing power, what is it that's holding me back and getting to the nitty gritties and the detail of that. So that's another big one as well.
0: Mm, awesome. Awesome. That's no, good. There's some good advice in there. Where do you see the market going uh, in the next one year to, to five years? I'm very interested in your perspective because you're obviously quite bullish on property. You're obviously you're obviously into it, and you want to keep being into it. Where do you how do you see the next kind of year or two shaping up in terms of the Australian property market? That's a good
1: question. As, as you always say, Bruce, you know, every market, every street level is a different market, right? Um, and I think for me, if I I like to stick to sort of like those Bread and butter properties, right? So those properties that humans will always need—they will always try and find a way to put a roof over their family's head. Mm. And I think as long as I stick into those sort of areas, it is quite broad when I say that. But I think as long as if I stick to those sort of fundamental buckets of, you know, bread and butter property that a family will always need, I feel quite confident that's within like a growth area. I do foresee that the property will market as a whole in australia will continue to grow and i think that's got a lot to do with like inflation as well um so for me i was like i'm watching everything sort of inflate i'm watching the government consistently print all of this money and where's that money going to go It's got to go into something and i look at sort of things like you know government and and the fed and, and everything that sort of backs us up as well as the imf um imf and they they don't want the property market to fail It really kind of like holds us up. So not that I'm relying on the government to, because I don't uh, rely on the government to always um, have your back as much, but I think it's understanding that humans will always need a property and will do whatever they need to, to put a roof over their family's head.
0: Uh, What do you look (laughs) for when you're looking for an area with an upside for growth? How do you define that?
1: Um, Good question. So I really do lean on a lot of the sort of, Uh, buyers agents like yourself um for sort of those areas that are going to have like that that growth in that sort of area it is extremely time consuming and to be honest with you that's why i personally like to lean on on buyers agents that know the nitty-gritties of every single area because it took up a lot of time for me when i was purchasing in the tarragon area Mm -hmm. Um, that took up i was researching probably six to seven hours a day for like six months and i was like I don't know if I can continue to do this because it was, it was like, it was becoming an effort. So I was like, how can I um, leverage off buyers agents who already know those that sort of information, who can sort of steer me in that way, um, mm-hmm. to find those sort of areas? So the so buyers agents are a big one for me now moving forward because I don't necessarily want to spend a massive amount of time on doing that research
0: totally you got to look at effective hourly rate and all of that kind of stuff because i speak to a lot of people who are like i think the worst the the worst one um that i'd come across was i think he was spending about 30 hours a week uh, Mm. on research and he'd been doing that for six months and then when i calculated the cost of 30 hours a week for six months plus the opportunity cost plus like the real cost in terms of hourly rate i was like Oh my god like it was it was tens of thousands of dollars so i think it's a really really good point if you can use that leverage to to get your time back cuz as you say time is the time is the most valuable resource that we have you oh, know exactly. so if if you can leverage that back why wouldn't you
1: yeah definitely and you're also getting to like that analysis paralysis sort of stage as well you're like how much do i need to know about this area like mm-hmm. where do you draw that line um and if you can just stick to some sort of um framework um it can help you say all right it's picking these boxes now it's time to like get in and make a deal
0: yeah awesome awesome great stuff i think this has been uh, this has been a really great conversation it's been great to dig into your learnings and your portfolio and i think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this have you got anything else you wanted to say before we wrap up
1: um no i think that's about it my, my, my most, most important advice is just find out your why what's going to push you because if your why is not strong enough you're not going to do it
0: hundred percent. I couldn't agree with that more. Well, thanks for your time, Olivia. I've really appreciated it. I think, I think as I say, there's, there's going to be a lot of gold to pull out of this conversation. I really appreciate you sharing your story. No
1: worries. Thanks for having me here.